0: Good morning. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Hope we have a time this morning to just kind of settle in uh, on on these scriptures this morning and to be able to uh, just see what the Lord uh, has in store for us uh, through his word. This morning our title of our message is called Account Balance account balance. And so this morning I'm going to do a little exercise. We're going to pull out our our phones. We're going to pull out our smartphones, And I want you to open up your bank app. And I want you to log in uh, to your bank account. And then I want want you to pass it to the couple to your right. Can we do that? And and just open it up and see what their account uh, situation is this morning. And, uh, you know, as I was just thinking about this passage of scripture and just thinking about account balances and all of these different things, uh, I was reminded of how just maybe it's just me. I know a lot of times whenever I preach, I look at you and I feel like, OK, maybe it's just me. But anyway, when I look at my account, boy, it kind of dictates and it's a sad, sad state, it's a f- sad fact, but it kind of dictates your attitude. Kind of dictates your behavior. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, happen just because of what that one app kind of says back to you. If it's in the red, your your attitude and your demeanor is probably in the red. Am I right? And uh, if it's just oh man, you found some extra money, so it seems like a time to get away and enjoy that you know enjoy that little bit of extra or whatever but uh... It, it's a sad place that in a lot of a lot of times that it determines our it's it uh... it really determines our attitude our confidence so, sometimes even our self-esteem our energy seem like we don't have a a little bit uh... we have a little less energy whenever it's low seem like to have more energy when there's there's money in that account and so money just it does that to you and you know the old saying is is that money doesn't make you happy and I wrote down a couple little quotes that I, that I found I thought were pretty funny one person said if money doesn't make you happy you probably aren't spending it right Right. another person said money doesn't make you happy but I'd rather cry in a Ferrari than on a bicycle You know, and I can understand both of those things as adults you know we find ourselves I think in one of these three categories in one of these three places you know maybe you were in a place that that, you know, your, your family was maybe a, a middle-class family and kind of worked paycheck to paycheck and hopefully were able to put a little money to the side and you find yourself kind of in that same place today. There's, there's some of you that you were you raised in a, in a home that was very poor and uh, that really couldn't afford a lot of things and didn't, and you went without a lot of different things and today you're, you found yourself in a better position than what you have come into this world. There's some... And I believe this happens a lot as well. There's some that come into this world with a lot, and those things just haven't fallen into place for them, where they have looked at their parents as successful or maybe wealthy, and they don't see themselves in that place. And so, you know, we, we're either on the same level playing field or on the rise or on the decline. And, you know, a lot of those things we could, we could dictate now in our life, but ultimately we, we were just, we didn't have a choice. Of how we were, we entered into this world. We didn't have a choice to who, my, who our parents were going to be, and we didn't have a choice of what kind of financial or social status we were going to walk into uh, whenever we were born. And so, uh, again, we didn't we didn't have that choice. I I gave my parents a, a hard time a couple weeks ago uh, while I was preaching. If you noticed, I had kind of picked on them. Uh, I was hoping that they didn't listen to the message. I didn't ask them. I'm just. I'm hoping everything's okay, Mom and Dad. But anyway, uh, my parents, you know, even in my testimony, I say this very often, that I come into this place today as a very spoiled individual. because Not because of financial, uh, as far as earthly or personal financial riches, but because of my parents loved me and cared for me and even just beyond the, just the natural sense of that, just as far as a parent to a child, but beyond that, they understood God's, God's Word, they undersc- understood the Scriptures, and they were sitting down and talking to me about those things at an early age. They weren't talking to me about uh, representing myself in a very religious way. That was easy to be seen and understood, and, and that's not what they were trying to preach to me as far as the outward appearance of myself spiritually. But they were, they were wanting to for me to understand what it was to have a relationship with God, that it was key, that it was important, and that was something that was very strong and powerful in their, their personal conviction and on their life. Now on a side note, on a side note, if my parents just called me up today, they called me up this afternoon when we got home from church, and they said, Garen, I, we failed to tell you that we, you, we've had a couple of things that are really yours. You know, my parents, when I go to their house, that refrigerator is just like it's mine. You know, if I need a car tomorrow, like, that's mine. And I see Mr. Craig like, mm, yeah, he's thinking about, you know. It's one way how we deal with our kids. It's another way of how we deal with, in, with our parents. You know, we want our kids to be able to grow up and move on. And for us, we still like to go home and have that That sense of uh, a sense of ease and that sense of being able to just, hey, we're still like we were when we were 12 years old in that house. And so but I call up my parents and they say, Garen, you know, there's a lot of things that we have failed to tell you over the years. Garen, we have a beautiful vacation home in the Smoky Mountains. Garen, we have CDs and stocks and bonds that are for you and your brother and sister, which I would get a double portion anyway because I'm the favorite. But we have a beachfront condo in Florida. We have season tickets to the LSU football team, even when they play Alabama at home. We have season tickets to the Saints games, even though my parents are Cowboy fans. And they tell me all these things, and I would just... I would just get into a place of just why in the world would you why wouldn't you have told me that a long time ago I think about the many times it's it's really embarrassing how many times Lisa and I have been to the Smoky Mountains that is our home away from home and we have put down a lot of dollar bills to be able to pay for us to stay in a nice cabin in the Smoky Mountains and all along my parents already had a cabin in the Smoky Mountains and never told me about it. Think about all the LSU games that I had gone to and spent a nice little pretty penny because I don't like to sit in the nosebleed section. And, uh, and of all those games, and my parents were sitting there on season tickets and so on. We went to the beach a couple years ago, and we paid for an expensive condo uh, there in, uh, in, Panama, in, in, uh, in Destin. And all along, my parents had a condo there. And so I'll think about all the financial things that I have spent and paid for, maybe student loans or this loan or that loan, getting into young life. And my parents had the financial riches all along and they never told me. I would literally look at them and say, just, are you kidding me? Right? And so as we look at this morning's scripture, Paul is wanting to let the Christians know you have so much wealth in Christ. Don't go 20 years down the road. Don't go one more day down the road, Paul is saying to them, without knowing how wealthy you are when you were born into the family of God. And so this morning, I don't want to be that conversation. I'm I'm almost 39 years old. And after all this time, my parents finally dropping that news to me. And I would just think, after all these years, I've gone without. And now you're just telling me. I don't want us, the Apostle Paul doesn't want us going one more day without knowing all the things that have been given to us on that day of salvation. And so this morning as we look at our scripture, let's look at verse uh, 15 through verse 19 this morning. And just looking at our account balance and understanding our spiritual account balance that has been given to us. And the first thing as we read this morning, I want to read verses 15 and 16. And our first point this morning in our our title of account balance is, is asking for enlightenment in verses 15 and 16. He says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, when he first starts out in verse 15, he says, therefore, he's, of course, referring to what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Last week with Brother Jake and what he presented to us as far as all the things that God had given to us. And the same thing the week before when we started out uh, in verse 3. Uh, and we, we've covered verses 3 through, through 14 of all the many, many things God has done for us as a believer, from even showing us our need for a Savior, even doing all the work for salvation, for us to be able to be in this moment of, you know, what do we exactly do in response to God is a place of surrender. And and so that's really all our so-called part in salvation. We don't do anything. We just surrender our lives to him. We, as the Bible puts it, we trust Him. In him of all the things that he said and done. And so he that therefore is talking about and referring to the people who have first trusted in Christ. We were born again and we were born rich. We were born wealthy is what he's going to show us in this. He tells us in verses 15 and 16. There's two things that have been uh, that have been given to us on our account Uh, even in this first part that he's made already very clear, is that Paul rejoiced in their faith and their love. He didn't mention material things. He didn't mention all the things that you and I think about as far as money that could really help here on this earth and really probably solve uh, some of the problems that we have today. But he's talking about the faith and love that, uh, that these believers were displaying. He speaks about real Christian character. He wanted them to know about their true wealth in Christ. Now, let's look at those, those couple things. He says, faith toward God and love toward men. These two things are the two, I believe, two key uh, factors in our Christian life and that they really cannot be separated. There's some people, as you know, when you look at the Apostle Paul, right? Let's just look at him, and as he's talking about this in verse 15, he says, I heard of, of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a, just a Christian superhero. Now, I want to say on the backside, he was just as human as you and I was. And sometimes, sometimes when we look at the Scripture, we just think of these people as not relatable to us, Right? But I want you to know they're just like you and me. They're very relatable to us. But when we look at the Apostle Paul, you, you can just tell he was a no-nonsense Christian. Like he was all out for the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the same way, because I've met people, whether it's preachers or just a, a church member, that they just seem so godly. And then when you have a conversation with them, you don't see a love For the saints. And it doesn't, to me, I don't know how that even coincides. Paul says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that you are crazy devoted to God and what he has done for you. But he says in unison, he says, and your love for all the saints. And so he's telling them, listen, you are showing and displaying your love, not only to God, but it's overflowing in your life, your devotion to God, and you're showing that in other people. You're showing that for other Christians. The Bible tells us that they will know us as saints of God and that we are children of God by the way we love one another. I've been in church long enough. As I said, I was raised in church. Yes, thank you. Thanks to my parents for raising me in a place of understanding what it is to have a relationship with God as the most important thing. But I've been around church people so much to know, you know what? I'm not going to have the same uh, hurt and feelings in the local bar that I will have in the local church. The local church, many times will hurt you, scar you, do all these things, because you don't expect that from those kinds of people. And many times, that's where you find the most hurt, the most grief, the most sorrow, is because you're looking for something, you're expecting good from that group of people, and many times you find the most heartache from those. And Paul says those two should be contrary to each other. They should be. They should not be contrary to each other. They should be in unison as far as your faith towards the Lord God, and your love for all the saints. And now, listen. If you're like me, it's hard to love all of your family, right? Yeah. You know? And so, even the ones that are more difficult to love, and uh, those you need to love all the saints, and, and that's what he's telling us here. And, and while I'm saying this, in my last, my last. Point in this asking for enlightenment, Paul is wanting this for them. Let me read 15 and 16 and make one little more suggestion and then we'll move on. He says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease. You remember in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it tells us to pray without ceasing, right? It it tells us that. And he says, Listen, I do not cease. I do, not stop to give thanks to, I do not stop giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, look, there's, I've got to learn how to rejoice for other churches and other people. I do. That's something I always have to deal with and work with. Is that there's other churches doing a lot of great things. And we're just so prone to, if it's not us, we're not for it. And so for me, I'm constantly having to remind myself and ask the Lord to help me to rejoice in just the kingdom church and not just my church, okay? But in our church, the reason I love our church and the reason that I love for you to be a part and the reason that I even have a hard time of letting people slip out of our church is that you are on my heart and are on my mind. And I want you to know that this morning. I want you to know that it I'm thinking about you a lot. And I know I'm being open and I'm, this is this is not a clap to garen. But I want you to know not only myself but Jake and others I, I I'm trying to find ways of how I can even bring other people in and also for you to know that you're just not a person here just coming and going. I want you to not only look at who's here but also think of who's not here. Paul says, listen, you're on, I'm so concerned with who God is and what He's doing that I'm so wrapped up in what God is wanting to do in your life and in you. As I'm going about my day and I'm just thinking about all these different things, I imagine even Paul in prison that he is just thinking about all these different Christians and what they're doing here and what they're doing there. And his concern for them and his love for them. And he's constantly thinking about this church at Ephesus. And I love in James chapter 5 verse 16 it says, We are commanded to pray for one another. Just commanded to pray for one another. And I sure hope that is the case this morning for us. There's something personally that I'm wanting for our church. It has nothing to do with financial. But in one year, I want our church to be different. And we just committed this week just to to pray. Because when we pray, we're really communicating with the one that can really do it. The one that could really do it, that we would be in a place that we would start trusting God in our prayers. That's the most powerful thing. As we talk about all these financial riches, I used to say this before Donald Trump was president because Donald Trump has always been known as a very wealthy man. And so I used to say to youth or to adults, I say, you know, if I had access to Donald Trump and, uh, you know, to be able to make a phone call and him to be able to just write a check to me then that would be a, you know, that's a good thing. And so you would want to be able to have access probably to me so I could have, because I already have access to a person with a lot of financial riches. And so for us, we're, Paul's at a place, he says, you know what, I'm praying for you. That's like going to the man who could do something about it. And it's so valuable and it's so rich. And Paul says, this is what I want for you, let's move on. Our second point this morning is understanding the, the access to these riches. It, we understand Paul is saying, listen, I want you to know what, you, what has been given to you upon salvation. What is in your account spiritually? And Paul says there's a couple of things here in order for you to access your riches. I joked at the beginning of the service for you to take out your, uh, your phones and to uh, go to your, your banking app. If Miss Lori was here, she would make it very clear. Go to your pedestal banking app, right? And uh, go to your banking app and hit that button. And there's gonna a- they're going to ask you for a couple of things, right? They're going to ask you for your username, your user ID, and they're going to ask you for your password. Well, I believe when we look at these two verses here in verse 17 and the first part of 18, I'm going to read them for us really quick. And I believe Paul is telling us there's two main things in there in order for you to really see and understand what is in your account. Let's read verses 17 and, verse, and the first part of verse 18. It says, that the, Lord God of, uh, that, the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of him, and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what, the, what is the hope of his calling. And I want to stop there. I want to stop at lighten. Excuse me. It says that, that, he, that God, he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, in the, in the knowledge of him, and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And what he's telling us here in these two verses, Paul is saying in order for this group of people, today we're talking about us, See what God has deposited in their account, we need to see that the first one is He he refers to as the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now we understand clearly that's the Holy Spirit. When we have, when we call upon the name of the Lord, let me make this very clear. When we cry out to God in salvation and say, God, I need you and I'm placing my faith and trust in you. And I believe through Scripture that right then and there that we have we have been saved, we have been transformed. He ta- he ta- he, the word of God tells us that we at right there in that moment we have been baptized with the Spirit of God. When we baptize later, that is a picture of what has already happened to us in salvation. The greatest thing that we have gotten in that transformation in that, uh, in that redemption period, that, that instant second, is that He baptizes us with His Spirit. His Spirit comes to live inside of us. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the third person of the Trinity. He's telling us here that this Holy Spirit, as He comes into our life, John 14, 26, if you want to write that down. John 14, 26 says, This Holy Spirit, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Jesus tells this to His disciples. In John 16, 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It's so key with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's so key because the Holy Spirit is what shows you of how to read the Bible. And we talked about prayer a second ago. And I say, you know what? I think of you constantly. It's not because of who Garen is, and it doesn't matter what kind of upbringing I had. It's not because of that. It's because the Spirit of God tells us, puts things on my heart and mind. If it's godly, it's coming from God. It's not coming from me as man, as natural man. I got my own issues and things that I'm thinking about. And so the Holy Spirit not only reminds us of who to pray for, it tells us he tells us how to pray for them. He he is the one he is he's the helper, he is the comforter when you're struggling and you're going through different things. He is the one that encourages you and lifts you up because he's inside of you. It's God's spirit that is inside of you. And so he's telling us that this Holy Spirit, he is the one that even brings these things into remembrance. Now, let me make something. Let me give you a, give us a little example this morning, because I think that if we say to someone, listen, Jesus loves you. You would say that person should be able to comprehend that. Right. I mean, that's simple. That's plain. That's understandable. And the people may hear it with their ears, but it's not going to penetrate into their hearts without the spirit of God to do that. And you say, well, you know, no, not, not me. I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy, right? I'm, I'm a pretty smart gal this morning. I, I know these things. Well, let me tell you about the disciples since a lot of times we put these people on a pedestal. The disciples tell us, it tells us in Scripture in Luke chapter 24 and verse 8, uh, this, is at the, this is at the end of Jesus' life. He's already died on the cross for their sins, he has been risen. From the grave. He, uh, you remember Peter uh, and, and John, they come racing to the tomb and they, they look into that tomb and they don't see Jesus. And there's two uh, men there in, in uh, white apparel as angels that are there at the tomb. And uh, they, they tell Peter and John that, that Jesus is not here. And they explain to him, they say a scripture in verse 7. They tell them, they remind them that Jesus said that He was going to be raised from the dead after three days. And in verse 8 of Luke chapter 24, it says, And they remembered His words. They did As much as Jesus told them what He was going to do, it wasn't until it actually happened and someone reminded them before they remembered the words because... Until the day of Pentecost, they didn't have the Spirit of God inside of them for, to be able to comprehend all the things that Jesus was telling them in black and white. Do you understand? It was, they, God was, Jesus was speaking these words, and our, their human minds could only comprehend so much. The, the Holy Spirit is that important and that key for us in our lives. This as well, the next part of this equation as far as us to really log into our account and to even see and access the riches is also the next thing. He talks about uh, the heart of the believer in verse 18. The eyes of, the, of your understanding. He's talking to the people of Ephesus. And he's talking to us today. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I like how the ESV says this. It says the... Uh, Having your eyes, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And so for us, even as our inner man, talking about our, the inner man, the emotions, the mind, the will of us, of having our eyes of the, of the heart must be opened by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians, uh, I mean, I want to reference 1 Corinthians. But our eyes of our spirit being open. To the things of God, our own personal spirit, our, our, our inward man. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter two. Got off track for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter two. I want to read this passage of scripture uh, for us real quick. Picking up in verse nine, he says, "But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit." For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Earthly things, we can understand those earthly things, but even so no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. See, when I'm talking to people, and i got a little bit more to read before I move on, I want to pick up in verse 12 in 1 Corinthians 2, but a lot of times we want to try to figure out the things of God in working harder or just studying more and looking more, and we do that without God in the equation, and it's not going to work out. We have to have the Spirit of God to do that. Verse 12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can we know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ." And so he's telling us very, very, very clear here. In order for us to understand these things, we have to have the mind of Christ to be able to see to the things that God is wanting to show us. We cannot see with our own human eyes and our human understanding. Let's move on to our final and third point of being having the availability to the believer. Here's all these... This, this, finally understanding what our account is, Paul is praying for our account for us to be able to see these things. Then now we have finally have access to these riches by seeing and understanding these things through the inward man and the Holy Spirit uh, that is showing us to understand and grasp these spiritual things that is too deep uh, for us to get on our own. And so we see finally what has been available to us. As I told you earlier, we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit whenever we uh, or have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and you could not control when you entered into this world what kind of financial status you were going to be in. We were a people without hope. Doesn't matter what your financial status, status was or your social status when you entered into this world and as you lived your life. But when it comes to us and God, we had a debt we could not pay. We were hopeless to the one who could bring hope. And when we trusted in Him, He now gave us hope in Him. Not a hope so, I'm getting ahead of my point, but not just a hope so, but He has given us Himself. He has paid our debt for us. He has put His Spirit inside of us. And then now He's telling us here in this Scripture... That He has given us so much. He has deposited so much into our account. So now spiritually, we are born wealthy. We are born rich. These things, sometimes people will tell you in church that, you know what, I'm I'm praying for extra blessings. And I get on a different plateau. Sometimes people even teach about baptism that, you know what, or or for tongues, that that this is an extra blessing on top of your salvation i would say in contrary that when we trust in the lord we receive everything at that moment and for the rest of our life we're figuring out the rest of our christian life we are figuring out all the things and discovering all the things that have been given to us in that very moment when we cry out to god for salvation and i just think about Here in verse 3, if we even look in Ephesians chapter 1 and go back to even the verse 3, he says, this God of our salvation, he is blessed, blessed be the God of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything in that moment of salvation has been given to us. That's why when we sing about grace, and even me, sitting on the front row and I'm just so dignified and so churched that I just stand there and when we talk about grace of how God not only shows us mercy and salvation that what we should get is hell separation from God but he brings us in as a part of his family and then he doesn't just say okay you're a part of the family you're on you're on the back row nothing wrong with the back row. But he says, here, here it is. Here it is. I'm like, here's everything that has been given to me. Here it is at your disposal. And so let's look at those things. First thing this morning in the availability to the believer is the promise. He says, the hope of his calling, verse 18, after he talks about the understanding being enlightened that you may know. This is what he says. I want you to know. I want you to have a grasp on this. I want you to be able to discover these things. What is the hope of his calling? And like I said earlier, it is not a hope in such a way of just I hope so these things. He's saying, no, you were once without hope and now you have a hope and you're that hope is tr- is in the trust and the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ about what He has done for us on the cross. He says this calling is talking about a called out into the, from darkness into His marvelous light, 1 Peter 2.9 tells us. And it's not because of our own merits. It doesn't matter the social status. It doesn't matter where you've come from. But it is strictly on just God's love and grace that He has given to you. And so He tells us this. He says, in this place of hope, that it, is, it, is, it carries the understanding and the, and the definition of assurance for the future. Assurance for the future. That's where, my, that's where I place my faith, my trust, is in the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where my assurance lies. And so he tells us this, and I just love that. And he also says that about us being, now we have a living hope, uh, referencing 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Before we move on to our next point as far as what has been available to us, as far as now having this hope that we're not just lost in this world and that we're just not going about our own business, but now we're on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the city of Ephesus was a very wealthy, wealthy place. You ever looked around and, you know, I remember this even for this, this past year's homecoming. Uh, and, and I was there on the float for, for uh, the football, you know, for the school homecoming. And uh, I was with one of the little football teams, Jude's little football team. And, uh, and I was looking at all the different graduating classes and just that parking lot was full. It was just really full there at Nichols. And uh, had a lot of, I'm talking about a lot of excitement. And it was good excitement. And it I don't say anything bad about that. It was a lot of excitement. And even when went down the road, there was just a lot of joy and excitement. And there was a lot of representation of churches. There was a lot of representation of just a lot of organizations. And uh, all the mayor races were at full swing. Everybody's happy. And What do you offer what, what are we offering to this town, to this city that it doesn't seem like they already have? Are we going to tell them that we're going to get them out of financial, the financial situation that they're in? Are we going to tell them that this life is so much better? Like you're going to have more joy here and more laughter here than you are outside? It's not always the case. Ephesus was a very wealthy city. Can you imagine trying to uh, minister in that city? It's not a place that is in, in, in poor conditions. They had beauty. They had, it was just spectacular. But today, Ephesus, we don't know anything very much about this city because the, the wealth of the city is gone. The city as we know it and as we speak of is gone. The beauty is gone of this once thriving city is gone. But the Christians who lived their lives and enjoyed and and maybe didn't even, maybe some of them shared in those wealth, maybe some didn't. But their relationship didn't, their relationship with God was there. And today the city of Ephesus and the riches are all gone, but the people, the believers that Paul was speaking to, are enjoying the heavenly riches that is only found in the Lord. And may we not wait for the heavenly riches. Let us start to enjoy the earthly riches, the heavenly riches that we enjoy on the earth. And that's what he's telling us here. The assurance that we have, that promise that he has in us. Let's look on in, in our second point. He talks about the plenty. Uh, as he refers here in verse, uh, the end of verse 18, he says, the last sentence of that says, What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And he's telling us he has given us all these riches in him. And so this is the availability that is in us. Is not only the promise that he's given us, but the plenty. He's given us these riches, he's given us all these things in us. And you say, "You know what, Garrett, I don't feel rich all the time. I don't even feel rich not only not only financially speaking in my personal bank account, but I don't feel rich spiritually." I sure am glad that God doesn't just see me for where I am right this second. And I'm sure glad that God doesn't just see me for my past. How many of you can say amen to your past? I was reminded even of a story last night of Gideon. There's an organization even called the Gideons that do some good work. And Gideon is really described by most theologians... As a coward. He was running from God, he was running from from man, he was just a coward. And in that cowardly place, God doesn't call him a coward. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, he says, "The, The Lord is with you, and he calls him you, mighty man of valor. He doesn't call him a coward. He calls him a mighty man. A man of faith, a man of trust. God doesn't, wasn't talking about where he was in that moment or over in his past. God is dealing with him of where he's going in his life. And we have so much that God has promised us, has said to us, that we are so rich to know that God, when he's looking at our life, he has given us so much. He has given us so much plenty. You know that we are His inheritance? When the Father, God, He has, Father uh, God the Father has said, these saints, these children that I have given to you, they are yours. And that is His inheritance. And we find our inheritance in the things that have been given to God, uh, to, to God's Son, Jesus, excuse me. And so all the things, the power that raised Jesus from the dead and the, the, the things that the spirit that has been given to us, that was, uh, that was given to us on the day of Pentecost, all these things that God has bestowed upon his son, we have as well. And so as we understand, hopefully we see the plenty that God has given to us. Finally, the last thing is the potential. The exceeding greatness of His power in verse 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? We are believers. We have trusted in Him. And his, He has given us His power to us according to the working of His mighty power. And verse 19 shows us, gives us so many definitions here and so many uh, root words here. It talks about dynamic power. It talks about working energy. And it talks about mighty power. And many, many times in our life, we are living weak and powerless in our lives. We live weak and powerless in our lives when God is telling us He has given us all these great, this greatness of power in our life. And so the potential is there for us. And I pray we would start to see those things. And I have a few questions for us as we, as we close and we're done. The first thing is you must be sure that you have faith in God and love for the saints. Check mark one. Before we get into other things as far as discovering what God can do and and needing His power and needing His wealth and needing His strength and needing all of these things and that assurance is to have you trusted the Lord with your life. Not just know about him, but know him intimately. And does he know you? Be sure you have put your faith in God and your love for all the saints. Next, you must allow the Holy Spirit to have his way with your will and your heart to see what God is wanting to do in your life and what God is wanting to show you. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in your life. You say, Garen, I know I have a relationship with God, but I'm going about doing this in my own strength. You're never designed to do it in your own strength in the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life to be able to reveal these things to you. Next, you must know... You must know, have that understanding, and to be able to grow in that, to fully develop what is in your account, what has been placed in your account spiritually. Please let us stop living defeated and poor lives. That goes for all of us, everyone us. Me first. Let us stop living defeated lives. You know, Gandhi declared. I don't know a lot about Gandhi. But I've heard this and I went to make sure this was accurate. He had declared, I'd be a Christian if it were not for Christians. I'd be a Christian. He was so intrigued with the Gospels. He was so intrigued with the Gospels that he wanted to know more. And so he showed up to a church and he believed that this was true, but he didn't believe this was true in other people's lives. If it wasn't for Christians, he said, I would be a Christian. What are we showing our world? We preach Christ and let us please show Christ to others. Let me say that again. We preach Christ, let us please begin to show Christ to others. So I left you with those things this morning. I left you with those thoughts of To you have to know, you have to answer for yourself if you're in the faith or not. If you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've seen a change in your life. And then if that is the case, if it's not, deal with it. Ask the Lord to come in and save you to be the Lord of your life as we have seen what He has already done for us through the first chapter of Ephesians. And for us just to surrender and trust him with our life. And then to be able to move on and say, I'm not going to quench the spirit of me continuing to go my own way, doing what I want to do. But I'm going to uh, bow down to what I want to do and my will to what the spirit is wanting to show me. And to be able to discover all these great riches and please may we live that kind of life towards God. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Lord, I pray that your word would not only have penetrated through our hearts this morning, more than what I said, more than what I have written, Lord, but your word to really speak and penetrate to our heart. I pray even in this time, Lord God, that we would have a time of just, as I'm speaking, of examination. Know it. Do I have a relationship with you? Do I have a relationship? Have I trusted you in my life for salvation? The Bible says that if we call upon you, that you hear us and you'll save us. And I pray this morning for those this morning that need to trust you, need a relationship with you this morning. I pray that they would do that in this moment. I pray for Christians as this was written to Christians. That we would live in the power and the might and the knowledge and in the wealth of what you have for us. That we could find everything that we need in you. I pray we would leave this place different than when we came in today. I pray we would be impactful not only in our home first, but at our job and our workplace and our town, all of these places that we interact, that we would be different. We'd be who we need to be in you. And to other believers this morning, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand, let's respond.